0: empower radio presents out of the fog join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively positive conversation with lightworkers healers and dynamic wisdom keepers get ready for inspiration and connection this is out of the fog on empower radio here's your host Karen Hager
1: hello and welcome to out of the fog I'm Karen Hager Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. About 80% of romantic relationships in the U.S. are unhealthy. That's according to today's guest's author and life coach, David Essel. On today's show, we're going to find out why he says that and also get some of his high vibration, humorous, heartfelt guidance for Finding the keys to profound, lasting love. That's what we're going to do on the show today. Are you ready to meet David? David Essel is a number one best selling author, counselor, master life coach, international speaker, and a radio host whose mission is to positively affect 2 million people or more every day in every area of life, regardless of their current circumstances. David's work of 38 years is endorsed by celebrity Jenny McCarthy, the late Wayne Dyer, Chicken Soup for the Soul author Mark Victor Hansen, and many other from around the world. He's verified through psychology today as one of the top counselors and life coaches in the U.S., and he's a verified relationship expert through dot. David talks to people around the world all the time where he works with them to help achieve their goals with over the phone or via Skype. You can email his team through the website talkdavid.com or davidessel.com and you can receive a free 15-minute phone counseling session with David. So that's at talkdavid.com. David, welcome to Out of the Fog.
0: Oh my gosh, Karen, great to be on with you. And one of the things you said in the beginning when you were talking about, you know, the percentage of relationships that are unhealthy, you said, you know, she uses humor. And I got to tell you something. If we don't have a sense of humor in this crazy, insane world, we're, in, we're going down fast. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the book that you mentioned, Age on a Surfboard, it is filled with humor and anecdotal um, uh, information, helping people to rise above their current challenges with love. And as you mentioned, that 80% uh, of, of relationships being unhealthy, it's a sad but very true statistic.
1: What? Like, how do you know, and, and why is it like that?
0: Well, you know, we, we've been doing this work in relationships for over 30 years. You, you mentioned 38 years in the beginning. I was in sports psychology, and then in 1990, I transferred over. Still, still work with, with athletes, but my main work is with relationships, addiction recovery, and finances. And so over the past 30 years, we started pulling together some statistics, And it was statistics from all the clients I've worked with in 30 years that are interested in love and relationships. And then we also went online into the beautiful internet and this is what we discovered. 55% of first marriages end in divorce. 62% of second marriages end in divorce. 68% of third marriages end in divorce. Now Karen, if we're just gonna stop right there, that would be a a, a minimal of 50 to 70% of relationships in this country are unhealthy because of how many people go down the pathway to divorce. But that's not even counting the number of people that stay in long-term incredibly unhealthy relationships with codependent individuals, with someone possibly on a narcissistic scale, staying with an addict, an alcoholic, and There are so many people that you know, are proud to say that they've been with their partner for 20, 30 or 40 years when it's been insanity. So when you look at these numbers that we're talking about, it was quite easy for us to surmise that that equals about 80%. If you're in the 20 percentile group, that doesn't mean that you don't argue and you don't have fights and all that kind of stuff, but it would mean that you would be willing to get help when you see a pattern it would mean that you'd be willing to apologize when you're wrong. And and those are two of the biggest keys of the 20% of relationships in this country that are healthy is that they're willing to apologize when they're wrong. And maybe even more importantly, they're willing to reach out to a professional for help when they see the relationship or the marriage struggling.
1: Why don't we reach out for help? Why do so many people stay in bad relationships?
0: I I think if there's a pattern that we pick up, and a a lot of times, Karen, believe it or not, it comes from our generations before us. Um, There there are many people that have been raised that, you know, once you marry, you never divorce, regardless of what's going on. And that's a ridiculous philosophy, but many people follow it. So they could be in living hell for 30 years, but because I signed this paper and I'm a man or a woman of my word, I'm going to stay, you know, they, they end up staying. And then then we have children that observe parents that are in unhealthy relationships without getting help. So when they become old enough to get into relationships, they haven't seen a role model, Karen, that their parents have raised their hand and said, hey, we need to go to a counselor. We're getting a babysitter. You guys are going to be fine. Mommy and daddy are going to get help. Because we don't have that role model to us, it's really hard for people to get out of their own way and to say, I can benefit from help. Now, even though we say 80% of relationships are unhealthy, that doesn't mean they can't be turned around. But rarely do we ever turn around unhealthy relationships by ourselves. That's a very difficult thing to do.
1: Well, healing is always in agreement, at least as I believe and I teach. And so if you and I are in an unhealthy relationship and you want to change, but I refuse to change, we're probably not going to be able to turn it around, right?
0: No, exactly. I mean, now I will say this, there's a caveat to that. And it's funny that you just mentioned that, Karen, because uh, tomorrow I start with a woman whose husband refuses to get counseling, but she really needs help. And she said they both need help. And he will say yes to go to counseling until the day of the counseling appointment. And then he'll back out. So I said to her yesterday, I go, let me tell you something interesting. About 80% of of relationships that are in trouble when someone comes to me, 80% of the time, it's only one of the couple. And then it's usually about two to three months down the road that if the relationship is going to be saved, the other partner comes into play and then they come in and start getting help too. One of the misguided notions in regards to relationship counseling is that people will say, well, if my husband or wife won't go or my boyfriend or girlfriend would go, forget it. But that's the wrong approach. It's amazing how when someone comes in and they start doing the work, they start to see their role in the dysfunction. And if they can change their role more times than not, their partner will observe the change and then it'll give them the best chance within a month or two months for the partner to come in. We, we, we don't want people to think that if my partner won't come in, it's a waste of time because here's the bottom line. When you go and work with a counselor, a coach, a priest, a minister, a therapist of any type, what you should take out of that work, if your partner doesn't go, should be information to either help you turn your current relationship around, or you should get enough information to see that the relationship may be dead. It's time to move on, but let's learn from it. And that's one of the keys that I encourage everyone in a relationship that's struggling, to work with a professional, because if your relationship dies, you need this information so you don't repeat the path again
1: and you and your life, I agree so strongly with that and and your life your path your health and your well-being and your emotional and mental health cannot be limited by the confines of whatever relationship that you're in and that to me where I see, because I get to talk to people all day about relationships, I will see sometimes where people are really suffering and the relationship has become everything. And one of the reasons to seek help, even if you are doing that on your own and your partner's not coming, is because your life, your path is much bigger. It can still contain that relationship and it's still important, but there's a lot more for you to learn about yourself. There's a lot of healing to do. Does that, you know what I'm getting at?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And here's something interesting to go on in the coattail, Karen, of what you just said. There are so many times where someone will say, you know, it's my husband, you know, or it's my wife. And if they would only do this and if they would only do that, the relationship will be fine. As we dig down into the core, all of a sudden, this person that I'm working with because their partner won't come in, all of a sudden they're exposed and they start to say, Oh my Lord, I had no idea. And we do this via writing exercises that I give them as assignments, and they'll come in two or three or four weeks after we started and they'll look at me and say, No, but I had no idea, David, that I had a role in this. It's so easy to project that, you know, if my partner would only do X, Y, or Z, we'd be fine. But we're missing what is my role? And and Karen, it might be something as simple, although deadly, as the fact that I have overlooked this issue with my partner for 25 years or for 10 months or for four years. And my role was is that I kept silent, I put my head in the sand. I pushed everything underneath the carpet because I didn't want to deal with it. And that's called codependency. So if someone comes and does the work and they see that their role in the dysfunction was that they were codependent, fear-based, didn't want to rock the boat, walking on eggshells, we can get them to stop doing that now. And then if that saves the relationship, great. But if it doesn't save it, they have received the best information possible to make the next one work well.
1: I sometimes hear people say that I can't leave because there's only one person for everyone and and the, and David is my one person. I cannot leave because there's only one person for me and if I go that means I lose my chance at love. Can you address that?
0: Well, if you're talking about me, they'd be right.
1: <laughs> That's why you and I have such a strong marriage together. The listeners don't know that. We've been no, of course right. not. We're yeah.
0: <laughs> Exactly, Karen. Here we go back to my initial statement. If you don't have humor, you're lost. (laughs) Um, But you know, and that goes back to two things I totally disagree with. Again, you know, our work here is so different. I mean, I have changed so much since 1996. I don't believe in soulmates. I don't believe in twin flames. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Because it's too limiting. It, it, it puts into people's brains exactly what you just said. There's one person out there. That's it. I have to find my soulmate, and there's only one. I have to find my twin flame, and there's only one. We disagree with this so greatly. This is what we say. Every person that you have been intimate with, even just kissing, is a soulmate. Every person you date is a soulmate. Every person you marry and divorce is a soulmate. And the reason we say that is because the whole purpose of, and it's not just one soulmate, thank God. Um, but every person who you are intimate with, and, 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 and like I said, it could be just that you kissed, but you never had sex. Maybe you were together for a month or two or three months and you did everything, but you didn't have sex. Or maybe you had sex on the first date. That kind of stuff doesn't, I don't, doesn't matter to me. But the most important thing is, is that people that we bring into our lives are there to bring us to the next level. And maybe someone comes into our lives so that we can practice being more honest and we can break our codependent nature. Maybe someone comes into our lives so we can learn how to set boundaries and consequences. But every person that comes to us has a divine message, and that message is to help us go to the next level. I was speaking not too long ago um, at a conference for victims of domestic violence. And I said, you know, this is, and there was all professionals. There was, there was no, uh, that we know of, there was no in lay people in the room. But I said to the professionals, I'm going to blow your mind with this. <laughs> but these individuals that we are working with, and, and I work a lot with, with especially abused women, each of them can look at that partner as a teacher. And there are many times that we outgrow our teachers and we have to go on to new teachers. And that's how I explain it to women who continually return to domestic violence household. Is to say, this person is acting out because of their background, because of their family history, because of their past experiences. And they are teaching you, asking you to rise above and to find that self confidence and self esteem to lead. And if that's what the purpose is, Karen, then you are going to be so strong when you leave that dysfunctional relationship and hopefully carry what you learn into the next one and not repeat it. So we like to throw that whole thing "There's only one person in the world for you out the window. Open up our minds and get into the concept that there are many, many people that could be partners. And I think in our era, you know, where, where we're living right now, most of us will have multiple partners in a lifetime, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like that that's a sin, or it's not like that means that, you know, you're purely dysfunctional. I think it's a matter of our times, and some of the things we talk about in Aids on the Surfboard can help individuals make better decisions regarding long-term relationships, because too many times, Karen, we make all these decisions on relationships based on emotion free of logic. And what we try to teach to our books and our counseling work is that in relationships, you must combine logic and emotional connection in regards to having a good relationship.
1: You're listening to out of the fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with David Essel. We're talking about some of the concepts in his new book, angel on a surfboard, a mystical romance novel that explores the keys to deep love. And you can find out more about David and his work. You can check out the book at talkdavid.com. Now, in that in the book which is written as as fiction we are introduced to sandy tavish who's the star of the book and he meets this kind of crazy mystical appearing out of nowhere seems to know everything (laughs) retired surfer who helps him discover helps sandy discover the six keys to deep love and I'd, i'd love to hear I, I want to know what the keys are, but I think first I, I want to know, why did you write the book this way? It's very humorous, it's very light, and it and it
0: also packs a punch. So why did you write it this way? Karen, this was out of my control. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I went to Hawaii to speak at a conference, and because they paid me a, a very beautiful amount of money, I decided to take that money and to invest it into three weeks in Hawaii. I had never been there before, so I said, I'm going to stay a week on Maui, a week on Oahu, and a week on Kauai. And I did. I get done. I think it was a Friday night. I I got in on Thursday. I spoke Friday, and then I was done. And I had the next three weeks to do whatever I wanted. And so I I usually write everything longhand. So the next day, I go to the pool. I'm writing and writing and writing. And I didn't even know that I was writing a book at the time. I, I had no idea. I wrote for about four hours, and I started looking at this legal pad, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is like turning into some kind of either a blog, a part, part of a book. So I ran up to the hotel room, and I called one of my best friends who lives in Seattle, Lee Witt, and I said, Lee, i got to read this to you, and would you let me know if I've, like, lost it or if this is going to turn into something? And I get done reading all of this to him, and Karen, he says to me, What are you doing in your room? Get back to the pool and finish that book. (laughs) And so he was the first one on the first day I shared it with. And then, you know, because I never intended it to be a book, I had no outline written, which I normally have very detailed outlines. I had no character descriptions written. And I usually have very good character, character, character descriptions. And then the next thing that happened started to blow my mind. And that is every day something in the book would come up, you know, like I, I write this little thing about being in an elevator with all these Asians that were came up to my chest. And this one guy who couldn't speak English, he and I were looking at each other. you just smiling saying, good morning. And then when we got out, we both had the same shirt on, huh. which was really bizarre. He started laughing. I laughed and he goes, Oh, we same, we same. And I said, yes, we are. And then, sure enough, this seventy-year-old surfer comes over that gate, and he has the same shirt on. Um, there were so many mystical things that happened during those three weeks. As I'm writing this now-formed book, it was just mind-blowing. Um, and the and then at the end, when we decide, okay, we want to take this and turn it into an educational piece. You know, we want to have fun and Sandy, you know, meet several women that. One of them is very attracted to him, and he has to make a decision, do I go in that direction? Another one is really standoffish and almost sort of mean in her approach to him, and he's got to figure out, do I even want to converse with this person? But it all leads us for him, Sandy, to be able to talk to these various women in the novel about the mistakes that we make on the pathway to deep love.
1: So what are those six keys to, to deep love. I know that one of them is, is to be willing, when you're in the relationship that's unhealthy, to be willing to leave or to, or to separate, to not try to hang on if it can't be fixed.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's where codependency comes into play. You know, We have a brand new book on love coming out in 2020, Valentine's Day of next year, actually. And we talk about one of the greatest destroyers of love is codependency. And in codependency, we're afraid of making a move. You know, we sit on the fence. We tell our partner, this is unacceptable, that's unacceptable. But we don't leave. We don't separate. Um, there's many marriages over the past 30 years that we've helped save via separation, Karen, where we say to people, you know, this has gotten so bad. The energy in the house, the arguing is so intense that we recommend the couples separate for 90 days. Someone moves out. We stay monogamous. We create a contract. And it's amazing how many couples their marriages turned around because it was so bad um, when they take that that ninety day break. And there's rules, of course, you know. So yeah, number one is be willing to leave or separate from a really unhealthy relationship. That is crucial for your confidence and self esteem.
1: And hit the rest of those six because I see where our time is going. And I gotta know all six, David. I want to yeah. know all of them. <laughs>
0: Okay, Karen. So number two is we have to release judgment about ourselves and others regarding what a love partner would do for a living or what they look like. And in the book, this is so well spelled out when Sandy runs into a former surf queen on the beach and she has something amiss about her. And with this something amiss, she blames all these guys who can't handle her because of this thing that's missing in her life. Um, and and so we really want to want to ask people to look closely. You know, so many times you have like this idea that a person must be this tall, must have this color hair, must make a certain amount of money, all this kind of, must have a certain shape body, and we might miss out on deep love by staying too tight with our uh, I'll say restrictive ideas regarding love.
1: And one of the main ones here that that really moved me was that love never leaves it simply changes form that's beautiful to me yeah.
0: this is really important you know and those go back to you know, the erroneous belief system of soulmate um if you believe in a soulmate and you think you found yours and then the relationship ends many people will go to a shell and believe that love is dead now it's gone but it's never gone because it resides within And so when it changes form, it might change to another person, or it could change when you adopt a dog um, to help your heart heal and to help their heart heal. You know, it it could change when you get out of a relationship and you've never done deep charity work before. And all of a sudden your heart is open to go into the inner city and to work with people that need you. So love never leaves. It just changes form, as you said, and it's a powerful, true statement.
1: Well, and that, and that kind of maybe this is going into number four, but that kind of love, that expanding love moves into learning to love yourself instead of always looking for that outward reflection back to you of whether or not you are worthy, learning to love yourself and choosing relationships from that place.
0: Exactly. And, you know, when, when people people talk about self-love all the time, Karen, you hear it, I hear it. Oh, you know, if you ask 100 people on the street, if they love themselves, 99 percent will say yes. But in the book, we talk about the, as a matter of fact, the angel calls out Sandy Savage because Sandy was saying to the angel that, you know, he loves himself deeply. And and the angel reflects back to him and says, well, wait a minute. Do you really love yourself deeply when you're a workaholic as you are Sandy? Do you really love yourself deeply when you drink every night, Sandy? Do you really? And the angel started like calling Sandy out and he said, you know, listen, young man, you've got some learning to do about what it means to really love yourself and I think we all have a lot of work to do, Karen, regards to what it takes to love ourselves.
1: I agree. And now I know we're just at the end of our time. We got through some of those keys. And for the rest, where should people go to find out more about these keys to profound and lasting love and to connect with you and your work?
0: Oh, Karen, it's so beautiful. I love, I love being on, on the air with you. Um, people can go to talkdavid.com, really easy, talkdavid.com. And we have, of course, the book there with the description, Angel on a Surfboard. Um, and then they can also get our free Motivational Minute, which is a five-day-a-week subscription. It costs nothing. even though it's a video subscription. When you sign up for the Motivational Minute, you'll get a video from me every Monday through Friday, first thing in the morning to start your day off on the right foot. So if you want to work with me from anywhere in the world, look at the books and the programs. Everything is at talkdavid.com.
1: That is wonderful, David. Thank you for being on the program. And you've said you've got a new book coming out. When can we look for that again?
0: Yeah, that's going to be February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2020.
1: Oh, and, my goodness.
0: Yeah, and the title is Love and Secrets That Everyone Should Know.
1: Oh, I want to know. Will you come back on the show?
0: Oh, I'm not honey. Okay.
1: <laughs> um david thank you so much for being on the program it's always a lot of fun to talk to you thank you
0: oh you're welcome karen i had a blast as usual (laughs)
1: Thank you. That is David Essel. We're talking about his book Angel on a Surfboard. There are much um, there's a ton more books to look at. His book Focus is also a really good one that I commend to your attention. All of that is there for you at talkdavid.com You can sign up for that free five day a week motivational minute. That comes into your uh, inbox at no cost to you. All of that is at talkdavid.com And you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and who's coming up next on this radio show. You can even book a private session with me there if you're so inclined and please don't miss checking out openpeacefulheart.com that's a website where you can hear recordings of 15 minute guided meditations and also be part of our monthly live free guided meditation calls focused on peace in our hearts and peace in the world and thank you for listening today together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing until next time I'm wishing you peace.